Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Welcome to the Weekly Watch. Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith, Cameron Smith, and in between a little bit of origin hype. That's been the narrative for the past week. Cameron launching his book, blowing up at David Gallup and playing down his blue with Cooper Cronk in a bid to sell more books. A day later, Gallup fires back, Cronk fires back, and the mud just keeps on getting murkier. All of this while the NRL, who are anti-fight and anti-blokes being blokes, promote state of origin on social media with a boxing main event style poster with Payne Haas on one side and Tino Farsua Malaawi on the other. What the fuck is going on there? Speaking of Cameron, he's the one the player market is waiting on. However it works out, there will be at least one Melbourne hooker looking for a new home next year. Has to be. Neither Brandon Smith or Harry Grant will be content to play second fiddle. While there's no announcement on his future yet, it's the right time to get the thoughts of a few about where he's at and what he means. We start with Melbourne coach Craig Bellamy. The main trait that that separates Cameron Smith from um, everybody else, or you know, most players, is you know he's. I don't think he's had too many ups and downs in yeah. his career form-wise. Yep. You know, he's been 19 years of playing at the highest level and highest level in our game, the NRL, but also his game just don't it – do, it, it doesn't go up and down at all. He's pretty level. And I think, you know, he, obviously he's 37, so he's probably slowed down in, in a couple of areas um, physically, but – um, he's probably made up for them with you know his decision making or whatever. But like the one thing that I, I'd say about him, I, I, I can't ever remember, or and it, it's never happened, obviously. But a guy that's been so consistently good for so for so long, you know that that's that, that's what I'd say. To that yeah. What is it? Because as you said, he's not the greatest athlete that has ever come through the Melbourne Storm system. Is it his mind? Is it his vision? Is it football now? Is it execution? Is there one intangible that separates him? Oh, I think he sees things pretty clearly very early. Um, so okay. to make those make those right decisions, as I said, I think you know, clearly he's been the big thing. But I think he picks it up earlier than um, you know the normal guy would. You know, I'm yep. not quite sure how much quickly, but he seems to be able to pick things up. Well, you know pick out the situation, you know, mm. more quickly than other guys. Is former Maroon Jason Hetherington. Mate, Cameron Smith, as as an old hooker, and I say that respectfully, Cameron Smith, what do you think? The king. Yeah. You know, is obviously. But what Smithy's done in the game and, you know. Huge. You know, not, Andy, I've, I've been fortunate 
you know, I retired. Uh, I had a couple of years sort of coaching local footy and under-18s. Yep. I, I respect the game. Doesn't matter mm. what it is, I'll have a crack at it. Um, but then get the opportunity with Mel to go into the origin side for the last, you know, through that very dominant period that yeah. Queensland, Queensland had and see Smithy as a young bloke go right through, be a part of that with John and, you know, Greg and then Lockyer and Lockie stepped out. and um, But to see and be a part of what Cameron Smith can offer and the brain and the way he thinks about the game. and It's pretty awesome, isn't oh, it? he's incredible, mate. Because um, he's pro- not built like... You were, or Steve Walters was, or or Greg Kineski. I mean, it, physically, it's not there for him. No, it, it's not. Um, I do have a little story though that if you can remember, uh, Matty Ballon got his one game yep. uh, due to Smithy's injury, yep. which is wasn't very common and still isn't. Mm. Um, I had to do a, a bit of a, a fitness test for him. Prior to the game during the week, just yep. in, just in the back oval up the Sunshine Coast at Calandra, just on the uh, quiet. sorry at Coolum um, on, on the quiet, yeah, on the quiet. Just can you take him up the back with the medical staff and and just a bit of knee on knee, like on the knees, wrestle, you know, um, you know. I, I had a little bit of horsepower left in me, yeah, when I did it, yeah. and I tell you, he's strong. Oh, is that right? Oh, he's strong. He's core. Yeah, he's yeah. He, Did that, it surprise? Yeah, oh, it surprised the shit out of me. Because you're standing there looking at him, thinking, "I've, I got you." Yeah, oh, you know, a lot older. Yeah. Um still got it. Still mate. thinking that hey, I still got it. Still thinking I had a bit of horsepower oh, left yeah, in me, yeah. but yeah. there was nothing under the bonnet. Is that <laughs> right? <laughs> no, he was oh, very strong through the through the middle, yeah, through the core. Wow. He, he like an old wood chopper, you know. He he, he was extremely strong. Um, yeah, unassuming. Don't don't underestimate what you're looking at there. Ooh, he has got some horsepower. And former Queensland coach and incoming Broncos coach Kevin Walters. It was said by many uh, that Brother Steve was the, the finest hooker of the modern era, and now we're talking Cameron Smith. Why are we talking Cameron Smith? Oh, where do we start with Cameron Smith? Um, I remember my, my first time I was in the Queensland t- team as the, as the head coach, mm. okay, and um, sitting down and talking with Cameron. He was the captain, obviously. We've got a great relationship, and he was uh, a great source of knowledge, uh, for me as the coach and like a like a rock sort of on the field um, and it was just – it's a bit like when you're looking – sitting down as a player and you're warming up and getting ready to, to run out for whatever team you're in and looking around the dressing room and seeing a guy like Mel Meninga or Alfie Langer mm. in your side, you just know they just give you confidence and belief and that was the case, you know, with Cameron. I had worked with him previously – at the Melbourne Storm as an assistant, and we had a you know great relationship, and then with Queensland as an assistant as well. But just you know, that week uh, we bounced so many ideas off each other, and it was just I just knew that I was it. My my coaching career for Origin One was in great hands with the likes of Smith, Slater, uh, and Cronk. You know, in the side. Want to know what's coming up on the podcast? Well, stalk us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Andy Raymond. 
Share the love and share the posts. Kevy Walters, the latest edition of our Legends series, released earlier in the week as episodes 51 and 52, a great insight into the man that really shows the depth of character he possesses and a cracking story about his early memories of football. We have to delve into you being sent off as a kid for crying. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was one of the I'm – I'm a bit of a sook. I've been known as a as a, as a bit of a crybaby, emotional person, you know, all my life. So I, I'm pretty sure I was born crying. <laughs> most kids are. And I haven't sort of stopped since. There was a joke in the family house often that, you know, even – when we sit around and play board games and Monopoly and all that, if I couldn't throw a six, I'd start crying, you know, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that that particular – I'm not – under eights or under nines and um, I was crying on the field because we were losing and the referee um, called Carrot out, who was the captain at the time, <laughs> and said, uh, listen here, Carrot, you've got to stop your brother from crying. He's annoying everyone. If he continues to cry again, we're going to have to send him off. <laughs> so <laughs> – Carrot came out and we said, what's the referee going on about? He said, oh, you're crying all the time. You've got to stop crying. Otherwise, he's going to send you off. So what did I do? I started crying. <laughs> so he sent me off. I'm off with tears and I thought, oh, jeez, oh, unbelievable. Anyway. We're origin obsessed. So what's your origin moment? Everyone's is different. For me, it's 1991 game two. To set it up, Queensland won the first game at Lang Park 6-4 in what was to be Wally Lewis's last year of origin. In the second game at the Sydney Footy Stadium, it was... Down rain. Then it erupted. Mark Geyer versus Queensland. Not just the side, it seemed the entire bloody state. And that was the famous halftime square off between MG and the King with Cactus David Manson in the middle and Benny Elias encouraging. With six minutes remaining, Ricky Stewart threw that Ricky Stewart pass. Side note, best passer of a footy ever, Art Stewart. It was a cutout ball to Mark McGaw and the scores were locked. Then in the driving rain, Michael O'Connor from the wrong side wide for a right foot kicker planted the conversion, the best clutch kick I can recall. New South Wales would win the game by two, but Queensland would win the series 2-1 and send the King out a winner. Another great memory, a beauty, involves Big Gordy Tallis and his maroon rampage, one night in particular where he was possessed. Let's get the Raging Bulls' take on it. Gordy, uh, the origin moment with Brett Hodgson. Have you ever actually apologised to Brett Hodgson for guaranteeing him a place on the highlights reel until the game ends? I bumped into him face-to-face um, when I retired. He might have been assistant coach at the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Tigers. And I was calling for Triple M, so I'm walking to the box. I, it was half time. I went to the toilet, and we're walking back in, and I just shook his hand. And I was saying sorry because he's a better player. I think he won the Men of Steel in yep. England. He should not be remembered for that moment. He was – if I'm his size, I don't have the career that he did. Are you remembered for that moment largely? Yeah, a lot of people do that, and uh, the fights too, which is not cool. Like when you got kids now that yeah. are at that age, but it's all it's all you. It's what made you. So um, yeah, I suppose between that arguing with referees and fighting, I was quite happy to be the villain. Okay, league fans, a mole's lifespan is six years. That drops to just four years in the wild. Yet. 
our mole has been covering the great game of rugby league for 40 years and still at the top of his game. In all that time, we've seen some wonderful generations and genetically gifted families. Who have you got as your top five rugby league families, Mole? Andy, I'll, I'll start with the Walters boys simply because three of them uh, all played for Australia. Steve, Kevin, Kerrod, uh, they all won premierships, uh, be it at the, at the Broncos or the Raiders. And they were probably three of the most dominant players of the 1990s and, and 2000s. And, uh, you know, the, the, the twins, Kevin and Kerrod, were both superb uh, utility men, hookers. Uh, Steve, probably as, as tough a hooker as they come. So uh, they're my number one. Some wonderful father-sons, isn't there, over the years? I mean, the, the Rogers, the Ricketsons, the Morris, the Sattlers, the, the list is endless. Yeah, and you've uh, just touched on my number two, the, the Morris uh, family. Uh, Steve Slippery Morris was, you know, a fantastic winger uh, for the Dragons for a lot of years, also played at the Roosters. Mm. Uh, he was only a little bloke and very quick. His, his two boys, Brett and Josh, uh, are a head taller than him. Yep. Uh, probably a, a touch slower, but geez, they're very fast. And the amount of tries the two of them have scored, you know, they're both well over 100. So uh, you, you put the tries the three Morrises have scored together, uh, and I think they'll, they'd be hard to beat. Uh, my next one is the Mullins boys. Uh, Bill Mullins was one of my yes. childhood heroes. Uh, he, he was the first rooster to score 100 tries, um, and he's only been followed by, by a couple of others. There haven't been many. Uh, his brother Russell was a, a handy winger of West. They had a third brother who played a bit of first grade of West, who I can't remember. Uh, and, of course, then Bill's son, uh, Brett, was an absolute freak uh, at the Raiders. Also won a comp at the Roosters. The Mortimers, I mean, how good were they oh, yeah. for the Bulldogs? Chris, Steve, Peter, and uh, I, I guess Glenn also uh, played a bit of first grade. But, uh, you know, they, they were superb in that 1980 Bulldogs team. That were one of the most entertaining teams of the uh, of the 80s and uh, uh, I'll give an honourable mention to, to the Hopawadis, uh Big John and his three boys and uh, oddly enough all three boys played first grade uh, uh, in about round 15 are all lost which is a, a rare occurrence but uh, but fifth I've got to put the Trebojevic brothers uh, we've got Jake and Tom who are absolute champions at Manly and they've got two more coming who they say are, uh, are just as good. So uh, they probably round off my uh, my top five. I love the top five. Tone, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, mate, you can get me on uh, Twitter's my uh, big strength and uh, at nine underscore moly. And you'll, you can find my stories on uh, the Wide World of Sports website uh, run by Channel 9. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered and it's feature interview time. Would you believe we all started out fresh-faced and with a lush crop of hair? Dropping in on us on the Weekly Watch, a fellow baldy, an 11-year player with the one club, 233 games, four origins, Lebanese international and most importantly, one of the good guys, Timmy Manor. How's retirement from rugby league? Uh, one of the baldies, mate. Gee, uh, I remember the glory days of having hair. But, yeah. Uh, retirement's been good, mate. It's been awesome. It's uh, it's twelve months into it now, and you know I was saying off offline before, but you know if you kind of if I knew it was going to be this good, uh, twelve months down the line, I wouldn't have 
spent so much time stressing about it at the end of your career, but it's um, it's nice to be out on the other side and, and happy with how things landed and land on my feet. Generally, props aren't huge fans of October and November training. Are you delighted you're not checking in for a pre-season flogging? Uh, I mean, to be honest, that's probably my most enjoyable time of the year. Really? I, obviously, um, you know, the, the season's fun and it's got its, its um, thrills, but I, I love training. I love um, the off-season and just going in there, enjoying, enjoying being around the boys, working hard. I um, actually really enjoyed it, so... Um, that said, to have the option of doing your own training and yeah. stopping when you want is also nice as well. So I still enjoy my training, but I, uh, I enjoy being able to stop when I want as well, which is nice. In the intro, I mentioned one club player. It doesn't happen all that much in 2020 because sport is business and business is sport. How important is that line underneath your name? I was pretty fortunate. You know, I think um, you know, a, lot of, a lot of people would, would probably want to do that and this opportunity doesn't um, present itself. I was pretty fortunate to be at a club that, um, you know, one I was passionate about, and two they were, um, you know, they were always uh, keen to have me have me be part of this place and, and, and be there. So, um, you know, it's as much as you know, you know, I enjoyed being there. I was, I was lucky that they enjoyed having me around as well, which helped. You debuted round one, two thousand nine, an amazing year for you, an amazing year for the mighty Eels as well. Yeah, I remember. So you know, growing up in the Parramatta system back in the day, when Brian Smith was uh, was in charge of the club and in the systems, we used to win grand finals and, and play grand finals all the time as a Parramatta junior. So it just it was kind of ingrained in, in you as a, as a as a club that it, you know was always successful, um, even when though Brian Smith never won a grand final, but he was more consistently in the finals. Yep. Um, he got to he got to one in two thousand and one. Um, so to get there in two thousand and nine. I wasn't too shocked. I wasn't too surprised by it. I kind of thought, you know, this is just what happens. We yeah. make grand finals. We lost. We'll be here again next year. Uh, now, I guess with the with the gift of hindsight, you look back and think, you know, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as you know I probably should have. And I remember the guys like Hindmarsh and Kalis and Birdie, who you know were really you know, holding on to the opportunity with two hands yeah. and relishing it and telling us to just um, you know don't take it for granted. I can understand that a lot more now in hindsight because, you know, they're not easy to come by. Beaten in that GF by Melbourne 23-16, yet later the Storm would be stripped of the title. That's a debate for another day, but when you heard the news they'd done the wrong thing, how did that sit with the, the players? Was it a feeling of emptiness? Yeah, I remember when the news broke. It kind of came out of nowhere. No, it wasn't like there was a, you know, a few stories leading up to it and then it just kind of yeah. broke out of nowhere. Um I remember we were in Townsville. We were about to play the Cowboys. It was the day before the game. We were in our hotel room, just relaxing. I was room three, and the news came on, and a few of us kind of got together. I remember going to Kalis's room, and there was a few of us there, and we were just saying, well, what does that mean? Is it like, yeah. we win the comp? And, uh, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't give it too much energy. Like, it wasn't yeah. something that we were really focused on. It was just like, well, it is what it is. You know, they, they won the day, and, and they deserve to win it. Yeah. Jared Hayne, I've got to say, he's still my man crush. We've seen different players <laughs> over different years go on a streak. I can't recall ever in the 40-plus years that I've been watching a player just so white-hot. I mean, it was almost like under eights where pass it to the good fast kid and let him score. Yeah, well, um, that's how I got my first try, actually. In a row. I remember that was my Is first it? year. I didn't, I didn't score a try yet. In the last eight weeks of the season, I said, I'm just going to follow him around until I get one. And sure enough, I got one <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the prelim. But 
he was in that kind of form where um, opposition, I've never seen opposition kind of over-respect, or he kind of earned that, but they, they respected him so much to the point where they were too scared to yeah. put any pressure on him because they didn't want to be the one to stuff up. So it just kind of gave him more space. And the more space he had, the more he used it. And the, he was just in a, in a zone where everything touched turned to gold. Um, and to this day, you know, everyone asks me who was the best player you played with. He's, uh, he's right at the top of the list. He's, he's, his talent and, he, and his eye and mind for the game is, um, yeah, right up there. Four origins for New South Wales during a time where Queensland were just kicking ass. Have you seen a footy side as good and well-rounded as that Maroons side that went on a tear? Yeah, you know, not only did they have that kind of talent in their team and the players they had, they they had the gift of playing with each other for years and years. Yeah. Um, and that's what made them so good. It wasn't just about the, the guys they had. It was the, you know, the fluency and the how well they connected with each other yep. and the camaraderie they had. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, the Blues we were chopping and changing every yeah. every year or two. You know, it wasn't working. Okay, try again, try again. And, you know, it was warranted because we needed to find a solution to beat them. But uh, the more we did that, the more comfortable they got and the more yep. uh, they just enjoyed having that um, connection with each other. And they go into camp and it was like going back into a club team for them. Yeah. In 2017, you had the chance to represent Lebanon for the first of five times. What did that mean to you? What did it mean to the Manor family? Yeah, to be honest, I um, I wasn't just chomping at the bit to do it. You know, there was a part of me I was like, I could enjoy a, you know, an off season now. It's been a long year. Um, Ivan Cleary was going to coach the team, which kind of brought a bit of prestige, maybe to the to the to the lineup. Prestige, yeah, yeah. It made it made it more, you know, more. Real and thought, you know, well, we should do this. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Farrell was really instrumental in, in, in getting all the NRL players to commit and, and jump on board. So we did that. Uh, then I got the job at Tigers, pulled out of the race, and you know, I guess we were all in limbo again, deciding what we're going to do. And then Freddie came along, and um, fair to say, Freddie was probably the perfect fit for that squad. Um, yep. To be able to put up with the Lebanese and their <laughs> and their way of doing things and their politics um, from a board level and their. Uh, yeah. The culture, he just embraced it and he ran with it and he was um, he was a perfect fit for us. And I remind him to this day that he only got the origin job because we did so well at Lebanon. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we should still be thanking us. Mate, our eels, good again, just not great. What's the, what's the one missing ingredient? Does anything stand out at us? Yeah, it's disappointing. I thought, you know, halfway through the year we were looking awesome and... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we've got we've got one of the most well balanced sports in, in the comp. Yep. You know, I think on our day, we, there's definitely not not a team in the comp that we should feel a team that we can't beat. So um, the, the positive is we've got a team that can win the comp. Um, I guess the the, the negative is we haven't proved ourselves in any big games. So we kind of um, you know that 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 negative feedback we get and that um, the view we have in the competition as uh, not being a real threat. It's probably warranted because we haven't proved ourselves yet. Yep. And, um, until we can take the jump to the next level, we're still going to be that team that uh, will never be taken seriously. Looking at those controlling positions, I guess the spine of the side, the one six seven nine, Dylan and Reed are babies. Do we expect too much at a young age from kids in this game? Oh, you look at look at the Panthers house. You know, they're, yeah. they're the I think of, and yep. you, know, you look at the, the age of that team and. Yeah, well, it's, it's nice to look at youth and say that that's, that's the reason. At the end of the day, there are youthful players still doing a good yeah, job at the club. Right. And I thought both of them were great for us. I thought, you know, especially Dylan, he's um, 
he's a really cool customer and someone that I thought when he was out this year, we really missed him and we really noticed his, uh, his absence. Um, you know, and Reed's obviously someone that is going to have a huge future and he shows what he can be, what he's capable of doing. So they're both great for our club. They're both um, going to have huge futures in the game. And I think we just got to be you know, patient and just help them develop. Um, the best thing about those two boys too is, is what they add off the field. I feel like um, you look at the good teams like Melbourne and, and Roosters and, got, and teams that are consistently successful, they've got a culture where... Um, where players have a you know really good, really good uh, reputation off the field as well. And those two guys are really you know they, they they do a lot of work with charity and they do a lot yep. of work for others and they got a great um, demeanour about them. So I think they're really two good guys that are going to be leaders of the club moving forward as well. We'll catch up over Christmas for a feed and tell a few stories. We'll get the microphones out as well for a legend series interview. You got such a a great and positive story to tell, and we just don't have the minutes in this format. And you fit that legends tag perfectly. Catch you soon, Timmy. Cheers, Andy. Thanks, mate. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. And this week, our hat winner for the best review is DB210983. Get in touch, Big Nuts, and the hat is yours. Thanks for the review. It's that simple, guys. Leave a review and a five-star rating, and you can win. Not sure why the ratings and reviews matter on Apple Podcasts, but they do. They help us on the charts and search engines as we continue to try and spread the word about Andy Raymond Unfiltered. We've got almost 50 interviews already scheduled for the next month. Different names, different stories, different superstars, different opinions and different sports. If you'd like to hear from someone in particular, get in touch. The website is andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. To finish, Velociraptor, Good Housekeeping and John Stamos. If you answered yes to any of the above, I think we just became best friends. It's back to the real world we go, legends. Have an enormous week and don't forget to back Pikey in the last.